welcome to the spectacle. What's what? What are they doing? Wait, wait. Let's start this over. What are they doing? <laughs> 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 oh hi! Even... We didn't see you there. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh my gosh! Yeah, no, yeah. The, <laughs> right. the, ooh, yeah, the cabin in the woods—that's better. Oh, hello, stranger. <laughs> I mean, that's also how so many ASMR things start. Just like, oh, I didn't notice you were over there. Can you please fill out this form? And you're like, yes, <laughs> that does sound soothing. <laughs> I love filling out forms. It's so relaxing. <laughs> see, <laughs> there's probably yeah. a game about it. Yeah. Oh, it's what called D and D. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Robin, you're the king of late night. Uh, yeah, good good intro to the episode. We are talking about cozy. Well, okay. I'm going to, listener, I'm going to level with you. We thought in these in these dog days of winter, let's let's talk about, you know, you get get all bundled up with your cocoa and your snuggie, get your... Yeah, you snuggle up next to the fire with a bit with a big big Malamute dog next to you, and uh, and you play and you play your favorite cozy games. And then we started thinking about what's our favorite cozy games. And I don't want to speak for the rest of you, but I had an existential crisis. Full meltdown. Yeah, absolutely. What, what does it say about myself? That I can probably. probably speak to at length but society at large we were like oh cozy games you know like stardew valley harvest moon uh power washing simulator these are all work job you have a job is the game like job simulator game where i come (laughs) home from my soul-sucking job and pretend to have another soul-sucking job yeah i pretend to just do a job (laughs) yeah come home from your job and feed the cows Oh my god! Especially the one where you unpack your laundry and you you put things away in a house, and I'm I'm like unpacking. Yes, I I want it. I want list. I want to do it so bad. I love it, and yet putting away my laundry is the biggest sort of executive dysfunction moment I will experience every every single week. This is um, I don't think I could ever even come close to a game like that because now I live on land, um, land that we are supposed to be building out. And, but what am I doing? I'm playing Stardew Valley when out outdoor there's chores to be done. Meanwhile, it's, it's so much more rewarding to get my turnips in, in 13 minutes after planting them rather than go outside and fucking wait for mother nature to do it. Cows are much, much cuter in Harvest Moon, and cows are pretty cute in real life, but the cows in Harvest Moon are incredibly, incredibly cute. Quick. And quick. The, the idea that relationships are so easy in Harvest Moon, like if you just give a girl an egg every day for a month, <laughs> she'll be in love with you, and then she'll become your wife. I can look. I and can, there will never be any drama get... in your relationships. Like, that's no, it. Unless, you're married, and you're you in stop. love forever. <laughs> unless you stop giving her an egg every day. And, and then like, she'll go back to her parents' house. But then if you go over and talk to her, she'll immediately come back. <laughs> yeah. And there's walkthroughs online. I can go like look up uh, how to romance Byron. Byron loves diamonds, of course. Who doesn't? And go down to the mine, get a bunch of diamonds. And I just give Byron a bunch of diamonds every day until Byron's my husband. Exactly. Why can't Man. life be like that? Why can't? I why mean, can't? I, why I, are there cheat I think it kind of can be, but I don't think it's very satisfying usually. 
<laughs> like having conversations with them, figuring figuring stuff out. Yeah, not no. I mean, out. having relationships that are that level of transactional. Oh yeah, no, I did that through my twenties, and it wasn't. Yeah, those that, fully exist. That is definitely a, a thing that you can do. You're not going to have a good time. I would yeah. like a giant Wikipedia where I can just look up things my crush likes, though. That would be great. God, I would. Yeah, because there's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing better than like that than a well researched surprise to give to your crush. Exactly. Yeah. Like I'm always I'm always trying to be a little a little a little sneak a little thief in the night and figure out like oh, what do you what do you like like but not make it too obvious. I'm ta- I'm talking to them about just like hey I'm trying to get you a gift I'm trying to woo you um, <laughs> but let me get let me definitely guide the conversation there. Um, quick quick aside there is a great arcade in Philly that I've started going to with my comics mm. friends and. All of the, it's like claw machines, uh, just a sea of claw machines. And I love claw machines. I love losing money. Um, is, it, and most is, it, is it like, it's an American style arcade or is it like a Japanese style arcade with Japanese claw machines? A Japanese style arcade with claw, Japanese You can claw win machines. shit in those claw machines. I have yeah. many times. Yes. Uh, I have yeah. literally never once won something in a claw machine. Come on down. because on American ones are really. busted. Robin and I are going to round one and we're going to win a yeah. bunch of cow- harvest moon cows. Cause I want a harvest moon cow. That- oh my God. I want a harvest moon cow so bad. It's such a cute little, uh, such a cute little guy. Uh, and that's way better than all the sexy anime porcelain ladies that you can win in the claw machines, which uh, my, uh, my, my, my friend cash is way better at the claw machines than, than I am. I'm going to have to get some tips so, so I can bring home a sexy anime lady. What the? What are we doing? Some kind of a podcast? We were talking about cozy games. Okay, I actually wanted to double back to that games as work thought, or like work as relaxing. This could fill Um, up a whole episode. Let's get into it. It really could because it's. I mean, it's. I think a lot. I read this book. It's about comedy. It's called Comedy Against Work by Madeline Lane McKinley. Um, But in it, she talks about our humor and the way our humor is so enmeshed with work. Like you go to work all day, you come home and you watch an episode. So many people watch an episode of The Office to relax or whatever, which is just a workplace comedy. And so much of our relaxing like zone out brain TV is just workplace comedy. And I think it's the same with Cozy Games, which really freaked me out. I was it was just like, oh, no, our imagination is so stifled by this world of work that we literally can't even escape it in our free time. And... Mm. That doesn't feel good. Oh, God, that's dreadful. And also, if I can make an aside, because I have still not forgotten this, um, holi- on the holidays, like, really, rather, and by the holidays, I mean Halloween, because I'm a normal person. Um, my team, I work in fashion. We all got together and we were like, we're going to do a group costume for the costume contest. And we dressed like lady wrestlers, like from the television show Glow, like inspired by, mm. you know, just like 80s wrestling. We staged crazy photos where we were about to hit each other with chairs and um and we went really hard and we lost to a team that dressed up like the characters from the office and i was like your office your office workers who are cosplaying as office workers i'm offended this is awful i haven't so boring i haven't seen the office proudly haven't seen the the office likewise Uh, and but it's just people tucking their shirts in, right? There's no real like costume to it. No, they're right? literally just dressed like office workers. 
I would burn that place down. I can't down. believe you lost to that. That seems deranged. <laughs> That's direct. It's all a popularity fucking. It's all a fucking popularity <laughs> contest. It was. There was also a team that dressed as the cast of Shrek, and they went really hard. If we lost to them, I would have been like, absolutely. Props Look, to you. You did an amazing job. There, there, there were people who truly, it. truly put in work, and then there was the cast of The Office, and I will never forgive this. Someday yeah, when I put no. in my two weeks. I'm gonna say that that's the reason why. <laughs> oh, that'd be really that'd be really good. I know that I know be we like, bring because your office Halloween costume contest is rigged, and we all know it. You don't reward creativity. Sorry, this is re- this is re- really getting my goat. <laughs> this is re- I'm getting so, I'm getting so steamed. Oh my okay. goat! My goat got got, and I'll never see it again. How do we get our goats <laughs> back? By by. Taking a bus down to Stardew Valley. I was going to say, go buy show. one in Stardew Valley, and then you have a go bunch buy of goats. One, get a get um, what's your name to build you a barn. Something that popped up also when we were talking about getting ready for this episode is I logged onto Steam to try and see what cozy games existed that I might possibly have ever played before, and I got a big giant banner for the Capitalism and Economy Fest happening on Steam. And just, like, the fact that it was so blatant, I was very startled. I was like, oh, God, like, yes, capitalism games, okay. But then you scroll through it, and it's things like Farming Simulator or Timberborn or Planet Zoo or things that I think often come up. There's literally one called Chill Aquarium, Barren Breakfast. Like, these are things I've played some of these, yeah, to chill out. There's the Power Washing Simulator that's on here. That, um, that game actually and, rips. Shout out, shout out to I Jack totally believe it. That game for like ten hours at his house. I feel like that's the thing is like none of these these aren't bad games, but it's more just the fact that we equate them with relaxing that feels bad. Like Stardew yeah. Valley is a brilliant game. It's so good mm. that I can't play it. Like I will just not stop playing it because it's so compelling and so interesting and feels so rewarding to play that it needs to stay alone and in a box because I will lose my life to it. And like it doesn't it's so good. It, it doesn't actually respect my time in some ways. That's how I feel about other notable cozy game that all of us lost our lives to during COVID, which is obviously Animal Crossing. Uh huh. I, I have crossed an animal in my own time. Like we had the original version of Animal Crossing that was on the GameCube and you would have to have like four friends who would come over to your house and play Animal Crossing separately at different times and they would all exist on the same system. So my roommates and my friends would play Animal Crossing at separate times and we would leave each other weird messages and we had this sort of really deranged like Twin Peaks Animal Crossing Island where there was all kinds of like intrigue and like, oh, I, um, I got a note from my neighbor. They said they killed a man and they need me to help to hide the body. What do you think about that? And like, um, it, it was eating up so much of our lives and we were also getting really competitive about it. Like, Jeff, Jeff, why did you catch all the fish? There's nothing else for us to do here, you fucker. <laughs> and so we all had to like stop. We were like, we have to, we have to take this down a notch and, and maybe actually just go to the pawn shop and sell Animal Crossing. And what, when what it, it came back on the on the um, switch, I was I was just like, I can't I can't do this to myself because I will go to an adorable but dark place from which you I might never were, return. You were warring with your friends over the scarcity economy as a form of relaxing. <laughs> 
Yes. Cool. <laughs> Did you? Uh, and what? also, like leaving weird, threatening messages, messages uh, to each other through our neighbors. First question, when did you get into Animal Crossing and did you did you play New Horizons? No, I I'm talking about the Animal Crossing that was on the GameCube. Yeah, yeah, what what age were you when I, that I feel like that was like I was like in my 20s. Okay, Wait, yeah. Come out. I and that was my first Animal Crossing like I think just by just by pure luck that wound up being like one of the most important games to have ever come out came out ever. Because it was right when the pandemic hit, everyone was desperate for mm-hmm. to replicate social interaction in some way, and we had that and Among Us, which was social interaction <laughs> like the most like depraved and like cynical form of social interaction. And like, I love my friends that I played Among Us with, but like, I got thrown out of the ship a few times when I wasn't the. I wasn't the imposter or whatever it was. And oh, I, was me like, too, 100%. I was mad at them for, for like a while afterwards. I was just like, they don't, they don't trust me. What is, what Wait, is it? No, about? we got into, we got into genuine like <laughs> conflicts. Yeah. I had, not thought about, I had not thought about those games as juxtapo- ju- juxtaposed as like our social outlets at the beginning of COVID, but that's very true. Yeah. We had this one, share gifts and like have a birthday party in animal crossing and then also cutthroat like you're out the airlock literally yeah. and then at we the also, same time that's wild we also had death stranding <laughs> that which i'm tempted to make the entire episode about death stranding now because again what not not relaxing game? but definitely was a microcosm of of that moment and now back I to would, the relaxation i suppose it's it's relaxing in its way of just like you know, I like looking at pictures of Iceland when, when I'm stressed out sometimes. <laughs> and that's and also I just like Kojima's fucked up mind. Would love would love to do an episode of this podcast just about like that guy and the stuff he's done someday. Yeah, but, just yeah, Kojima like every other games podcast. So don't do that. You're right. Yeah. In a in a in a couple of years, maybe. Um, I have to say, though, in terms of like. Yeah, staring into the abyss, though, when I was thinking about a lot of things that I find cozy. I was like, the things that I find cozy, um, maybe maybe mm. not so cozy to other people. No, yeah. Mm. Like, uh, my comfort games are, um, my comfort game is Night in the Woods. The, ga- the only game that I brought to this podcast, uh, pop- besides Disco Elysium, probably my favorite game of all time. Um, and... It's it's like it's it's a game about like sure kind of finding meaning with your friends, but also mostly about just like absurdism and like a, a cosmic nihilism mm-hmm. um, that I think also when I was thinking about like, yeah, this is my cozy game. I'm just like, what does this say about me <laughs> that this really str- this stressful game that is like. It's a gay little game about animals jumping around. It's like kind of a platformer and kind of a point and click adventure game and a puzzle game, but also a visual novel. And it's like a Rust Belt Gothic and a coming of age story about late stage capitalism and desolation and cosmic horror. Um, And friendship. And friendship. True. And how there's no way out. (laughs) And there's no way out. There's a hole at the center of everything and it gets bigger every day. And we're going to get through it together because friendship. 
And there's no and there's no future and crimes. And so fucked. Crimes. That is yeah. I mean, I think it I think there's something in me like get it like getting too real about the coziness that like I can't let go enough to like really mm. delve into like like a katamari or something is very relaxing for a second. Like for a little while I'm chill I'm chilled out and like um but something that doesn't seem to like shy away from like what I know is like lurking beyond like when I turn off the game. Like Oh hardcore disagree on Katamari because I was also gonna bring up Katamari because I do find Katamari deeply relaxing because it's mm -hmm. very soothing and cute and the little prince is adorable and we're doing fun things and we're rolling up into a ball and it's all na 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 Katamari do your best. And then you know in the end no matter how well you do, you're never going to make your father happy. He will literally always be disappointed in you. Well, I guess no that's matter sort of how much you succeed, and <laughs> you are balling up living creatures, some of them human beings who are screaming, in order to um, hurl them into the cold vacuum of space to become a star. They love it, though. It's bleak. But I love but it, so and I nice. find it extremely fucking soothing. And I'm a monster. I guess that's and kind I of, will never please my space daddy, but I'm yeah. gonna try. Same th same thing with Night in the Woods. It's like it replicates the world I know that is waiting for me, and the world I know outside. I'll I'll also never please my father. So yeah, and also I mean the 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 biggest thing I think that resonated with me was like repairing your friendships that you've had for a long time, but also just like having that one chaos friend that you just look at each other in Night in the Woods and you're like crimes, oh crimes, and you just go do crimes and you go sit in the, what they do, like uh, hit, hit um, light bulbs with a baseball bat. Mm -hmm. You hit. Yeah. You just show up to your friend's job and he, and he's just like, Hey, want to go break, break, break shit. I think that's why like this, that that's game is so, so, so very close to my heart is like, I think Greg makes up a lot of it. I mean, the, I mean, may, all right, if if you haven't played Night in the Woods, have both of you have played Night in the Woods, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um that's kind of where I got my name. It's really the spelling. I was going by B before, but Night in the Woods is where I got the spelling. Like her name popped up on the screen and I was like, that's it. That's my name. That's, oh, I love that. Whoa. Yeah, cuz I was yeah. trying to going to make a little joke cuz we're going to have to talk about talk about <laughs> B, but uh It's well. it's from the Goth Alligator, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, all right. If you don't know, is she um, an alligator or a dragon? This is a new wrinkle of the game. Yeah. What? <laughs> that dragons. I exist. thought you were gonna say crocodile or alligator, but no, we really just went somewhere else there. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought she's like a cute little dragon. Um, I think. Hmm. She's a yeah. She's a dragon. <laughs> so if you don't know Night in the Woods, uh, it's a game where you're sort of dropped into this story. Um, uh, playing May like an anthropomorphic cat after she has a nervous breakdown, drops out of college, and moves back to like her futurist hometown where like her coping mechanisms are, and just reverts back to being a shithead kid. Um, again, it's like has no ambition, no drive, just hangs out every day in town, develops like this routine of like going through town, and it's like sort of you can jump up on power lines and buildings and just like explore um 
but uh, you have your old best friend, this gay chaos goblin, Greg, and he's dating this perfect bear, Angus. Um, I and love Angus. I love Angus. They're I like, would die for him. I re- I he. Ugh. Yeah, I'm replaying it right now, and the little the little scene you get where you just get to hang out one on one with Angus, like, is very meaningful to me. But uh, Greg specifically is like whether it reminds me of myself or people I have known, like it always hits very hard for me because he's just like he also has you know trouble expressing himself, but loves petty crime because he's just bored and he hates laws more than he values safety and whenever you go out and do like something illegal with with greg they just like ground each other by reminding each other you're doing crimes crimes are the coolest thing you could be doing um this is a very precious representation to me it's like the only time i've seen that like joyous youth culture anarchism uh fully capture that like stupid total disregard for uh justifying yourself through your actions that like you can only you only get like a little bit of time like up until like your early 20s is like the cut the cutoff for when it's still charming um but like yeah it's very it's that's very close to my heart even though people uh wrongly think that that is where be gay do crimes came from uh but i'll for i'll forgive them for that i love greg they thought it came from that game uh, yeah, I've people have sent me these like long explainers that people have made of just like where did be gay do crime come from? And they're like, oh, it's from Night in the Woods. Oh, huh. and, yeah, which they like they don't say it in there. It's no, like, they I just say not explicitly, crimes. but yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like it's the subtext. It's not like I uh-huh. ta- it's not like I I spun something from the thread of the universe. I was tapping into an energy that's been there since since definitely. Human- have been a thing since the existence of gayness and crime yeah mm-hmm. yeah since since the romans codified codified law it's been it's been around for a couple thousand years anyway but like i think i think b's storyline is like maybe even more compelling um i would say it either didn't connect with me or maybe it connected way too much like the game came out when i was still like a train hopper sleeping on friends couches and like I was trying to still wring a lot more irresponsible youth out of life. And B had some excellent points to make about uh, the way that your character may was handling something like that. But yeah, the characters are excellent in this game. Um, yeah, I, I played it through with both, but my first playthrough was focused on reconciling with B. And I feel like that resonated with me so hard in, in the way that I've had to repair some uh, relationships with people who were like, you know, when I knew you, you were like a really creepy little chaos goblin and maybe you didn't said some things that we need to work out. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm really due for a, a replay. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. Um, this is also the first time I've, I've played it since I've been like pretty settled in Appalachia. So it, uh, it hits a little bit different as it's like, set in the Rust Belt in Pennsylvania. And mm-hmm. I sort of, you know, don't don't have like a native's understanding of it, but like have a little bit more of a, and steeped in it a, just a little bit more. But like, you know, it's also just like, it's fun to jump around on buildings, discovering little secrets and side quests. Um, but 
I love that to move the story forward, you always got to go visit your friends at work. <laughs> you're, you're like the only character in the game that doesn't have to go work a shitty job, which like maybe has something to do with why I find this a cozy game as opposed to like I, my mind didn't immediately go to Stardew Valley or something where you have a job. This is something where I can relive my like mortgage as a 17 year old, just like do, doing petty crime to like uh, what like finance the month and hopping trains and whatever um, you it's re- it, like now it really illustrates the strain all the friend all May's friends and family have and that's always something that I really focused on in immersive stories like no one uh, very few people really dig into like how is this person sustaining themselves how are they imprisoned by their means of survival what do they do all day um and like this game not only like you know shows people at their jobs but the excitement of like you coming back home really wanes and people are getting frustrated with may for being so oblivious to the struggle that like everyone else's adulthood is grinding them down to like she's really depressed and but they're like the grindingly depressed that you are supposed to be until you're 60 and you're pension arrives or social security happens or whatever. I also like that there's a game within the game. So if you get too stressed out by the game you're playing, you can just play that little roguelike mini game. That was so very kind of them to put Demon Tower in the game. I I got super into Demon Tower. I really liked Demon Tower. That was the, I think the first roguelike I played because that was, that was still, that game came out in my squatting days, so I didn't really know a lot about video games. They were just like um, something I imagined, ooh, someday, someday I'm going to have a PlayStation 2, and I'm going to figure out what what, uh, what Solid Snake is up to. Now, Spoiler now alert, know. no one really knew what Solid Snake was up to. Yeah, there were so <laughs> many of them. It was very confusing. It was really, I don't think Kojima really knew. He was just hoping we all thought <laughs> thought he had his, his shit together. Um, yeah, I got, I got a little bit more, um, I got a little bit more that I could, I could uh, opine on about, uh, about Night in the Woods. Um, but um, yeah, keep talking about Night in the Woods. I have two that kind of follow Night in the Woods in their storytelling vibe. Yeah, I was thinking as a, as a similar thing. Um, did any of you play Oxenfree? Uh-huh. No. Because I feel like if you like Night in the Woods, you are going to really like Oxenfree. It is a very, very similar level of like commitment to gaming, which is not much. You like wander around environments and you pick things up, maybe solve some minor puzzles, but mostly you're having conversations, like emotional conversations with this cohort of people that you're with um, during what is kind of like a strange supernatural event. And, and it's kind of like timey wimey weird supernatural time loop thing. And it's, it's very night in the woods and it's, it's very cozy and it's got that same level of like kind of teenage misbehavior and despair and confusion and hope that you experience in that kind of like weird nebulous time of your life. I, it's like, I I bought it. So I was play I just day. played recently um Salt Sea Chronicles, which is another sort of yeah, like like Night in the Woods, just kind of a point and click adventure game. This one's very 
very pastel, like muted 2D colors. Um, and it's it's explicitly trying to tell the story of a community working together rather than there's there's no main character. It's kind of each different mission you go on is about the relationships between two people. And then when you come back from the mission, you kind of tie it back into talking about the relationships of this ship you're all traveling together on as a whole. Um, and a lot of devastating stuff happens in this story. Like it's ultimately about how one of your close friends betrayed you at the beginning. This isn't a spoiler. This is like the prompt for the mission happening. Um, and it felt, yeah, like the attention it tries to play towards like working together in order to move forward. I don't know if there are ways that you can fail this game and like do badly. I wasn't trying to do that. I was trying to be good to the people around me and like resolve things. And sometimes they did. And oftentimes it would just be like, we'd have to learn to live with this difference and move on. Um, I don't know that it, I, I like, I, it did feel very calming to play in this. There's like a variety of characters that felt really cool to play. There's like weird neurodivergent, they, them radio geek. There's mom who's a woman of color. There's like some nerdy old professor guy. There's like, a, and you just collect oddballs and it makes a lot of room for grief, I think the coziest part of this game is there's there's like an island you go to to deal with your grief. And I was just crying while playing this game. Like it did feel very beautiful. And the fact that it like puts you through this ritual to deal with your grief felt very tender. Wow. Um, that, that actually sounds this, like a game that captures cozy, coziness that I was imagining when we propose this episode i just thought about it i've completely forgot about it until right now they also did another the same company also did one called mutazione which has been years since i played it but i remember loving it when i played it it's like a monster i think it was was described as like a monster soap opera game you're like a newcomer to this town and you have to figure out what the drama is and like your place in it and it was very very enjoyable and like tense but also calming i guess in the same way where you're like cool, we're on this island community together. Like, let's figure out how to live together. That sounds enjoyable, uh, particularly because it's monstery, which makes me mm -hmm. happy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can usually get talked into any old game if it's like Monster, uh, monster Prom. I think that's the name of the game that <laughs> I played uh, quite a lot of. Um, um, I have a question, which is, have either of you heard of or played? This is like, it's it slots into like management sim game as job thing but also maybe it's not it's this game called wandering village i haven't gotten a chance to play it at all yet no. but oh, no but i'm so curious about that that's it's cool... it's you're doing like a city building thing which i it, when i'm stressed i'm like gonna be playing those where you like build a little village and then you like get the resources and like whatever whatever and it, but in this one you're on top of a giant moving creature like on the back shell of it and so you need yeah. to figure out how to like manage the resources so you're not hurting the creature and also like using enough resources that you all can survive on the back of the creature. It seems really cool. I'm very compelled, but I haven't gotten a chance to play it. So this is a wreck for a game that I have never played. Is that turtle on top of another turtle? Like, is it turtles all the way down? I don't know. It might be. <laughs> mm. stay, stay tuned, listeners. New. <laughs> I'd like to Maybe it's cozy. In. Maybe it's stressful. It sounds very nice. Yeah, it sounds, sounds very nice. Sounds kind of like um, a little bit like Spiritfarer. I don't know. I'm, um, I'm so well, interested in Spiritfarer. That one looks so cozy to me. It was very nice. Also, 
it kind of ties in to, I guess, I don't know what I was saying about the other game about dealing with grief. Like it, it is a grief ritual. It is a ritual to process dying and grief. I played it while I was helping my grandma die. And, uh, it was very sweet. Like I don't, it didn't feel like synonymous. The two, like the two situations didn't feel like they were actually overlapping or connected, but it was like at least an outlet for like, oh, like this is okay. Like you can, it also has the best hug animations I have ever seen on anything ever. Like every oh, single time someone you. gets a Somebody hug, you're like, oh my God, that was so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, they really gave it their all with those hug animations. Like a lot of, For sure. a lot of man hours went into that. Um, that's- Here's a thought actually in terms of, uh, of games that are cozy, but also sort of deal with grief. Uh, did you play Gris? Mm-mm. G-R-I-S. It's a... Oh, I always pronounce it Gris. Oh. Maybe it's Gris. I thought I just assumed it was Gris. But um, oh, is that wait the really pretty watercolor one? It's beautifully, yeah, like sort of watercolor painted, and it's it's like just so atmospheric and beautifully drawn, and and it is a game about dealing with depression mm-hmm. and and recovering from your own like inner pain and sadness. But it's just also like a very soothing, beautiful platform game mm-hmm. where you just. Uh, you're, you're sort of bringing yourself back to life, if that makes sense. And I found that one very cathartic. Yeah. I, yeah, it, I found that very cathartic. I, I never finished it, but I, at the time in my life that I played it, it was very cathartic for me. And I really savored every, it was a gorgeous game. Um, this is really, this turn of this conversation is interesting because in my, when I was talking about this and thinking about cozy games beforehand in my notes, I have like, do cozy games have emotions? I want to turn off mine when I'm trying to relax is literally Mm -hmm. a note I have. But in this uh, list conversation we've just had, I'm like, no, like what actually feels cozy is something to help me get through them. Like, or that's just two sides of this. Like the capitalism side, the do a job side is turn off your emotions, stop feeling like, here you go. Here's a chance to stop feeling, just be a machine, which is cozy. It is comforting because then you don't have to feel about it. But then we, on the other hand, are coming up with things that do allow us to feel and move through those feelings. And that's extremely comforting in a way that feels less dissociative, at least maybe. Having immediate purpose versus ruminating on Mm -hmm. it. Yeah, that's that's something I, a conclusion I came to as well, where like the, something I consider cozy games are things that help me sort of chew on stuff that I've already been dealing with in my day to day um, that, I think is not, it's probably not what people mean when they say cozy. When, when people talk about coziness, I imagine very like trad cath sort of images of like cottages and, and shit like that. Um, simple lives on the, on the plains or in the forest or whatever, which I guess is where Harvest Moon and stuff like that come, come in where you can sort of turn off and, know what you're doing every single day rather than have mm-hmm. like the freedom to decide something, which is like such a huge burden um, in reality to have freedom. Um, but on the other hand, I mean, when you think about all breath of the wild and tears of the kingdom, these are games that, you know, I know that there's an aggressive and there's like a combative element to it, but um, I spent, I've spent most of the time that I've spent playing tears of the kingdom and I haven't beaten it because I've been so busy working on penumbra that I was just like, I can't play Tears of the Kingdom anymore until I finish because I'll look up and it'll be three o'clock in the morning. But I've done nothing. I've I've been playing that game for, for six hours without basically 
thinking about what I was doing. And I've been, I've been exploring and I've been collecting plants and I've been um, doing errands for my friends and I've been helping somebody hold a sign up. <laughs> you know, I hate yeah, that guy. I hate that, that guy. Guy. That guy been, sucks. No, he does suck. He does suck. But I want to help <laughs> him, and I don't know why. Um, but like, I, I'll, I'll spend so much time in that game, just totally avoiding anything that involves conflict, and just like just poking around. And I know what, um, what when we started talking about like cozy games, we were like, is is Tears of the Kingdom a cozy game? And I was like, it's got fighting in it. I don't know. I've totally changed my mind on this. I've changed my mind on a lot of things. But yeah. I spent I spent all my time. I found all of those things that you all of the the petroglyphs, geoglyphs, and I found all the lore and I got the whole story. And then and then I was like, what do I do now? I guess I have to go fight things and I don't want to do that. <laughs> um I when I was a kid I kind of played Ocarina of Time as a cozy game. And the reason why it was cozy is because I literally never left the village. I They like gave me the option to leave and I was like, nah, I'm staying here and playing with my friends. And so I would just like make up my own game to play in this village and like pray, play pranks and like jump off of the waterfall. And that was very relaxing and kind of the similar, similar way that I think Breath of the Wild or Tears of the Kingdom is where it is just kind of about exploring and collecting things. Um, obviously Ocarina of Time is not cozy the second you leave that village, but. <laughs> okay. So funny story. I did the same thing with Majora's Mask, which is like mm. even more deranged mm-hmm. and terrifying <laughs> and, and is possibly maybe the most deranged and terrifying Zelda game with that horrible moon that's leaming, Definitely. like just mooning above you of the whole time. And like, but I became obsessed with the Bomber's Notebook. Mm. Where you get your little notebook and it's got like you you go and you find people and if they have a problem you write it in your notebook and then you have to figure out how you can solve it so you can check it off your notebook. And um, I didn't even have an N64 at the time. My sister did and I'd gone to visit her. And and when I, I, I had like traveled across the country to visit her and I spent my entire night playing Majora's Mask and just fucking around with the bomber's notebook. And when she woke up in the morning and I was still playing it, she was like, God damn it. What are you doing? <laughs> We have He's stuff to do. And it's like, I'm still going to do this stuff. But you couldn't have put me down in front of Zelda and not expected this to happen. You knew this would happen. Um, I do I think Tears of the Kingdom is a cozy game, though. Like, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I can. It's, I it's like, a, no, like how we, we like, talked about how Undertale is not in itself a cozy game. You can play it in ways that are very, very dark and not cozy, but you can choose to play it in a way that's that's pretty much cozy all the way through. Okay, but all right, that moment when the evil flower says that it's deleted your save is the most stressed I think I've ever been in a video game ever. So that's so I don't funny, know. Though. What a rascal. <laughs> and then true, it shuts that- the actual game down. I was like oh my gosh, what is happening? <laughs> that was upsetting. And then when it was like, you know, you can play this game again. And I was like, I'm not going to play this game again. I want to leave uh-huh, my friends no way. alone. They're happy now. I'm literally never touching this again. Everybody's happy. Everybody's fine. I'm not going to fuck with them. Are you mad? I've already heard. Um, okay. I got a, I got a couple more. I got a couple more things I wrote down about Night in the Woods. Oh, yeah. Nice. Mind if I go through them? Go, please. Uh, please, please interrupt me if you have any night, night in the woods thoughts. Um, so, not, night in the woods actually has a big role in why this, uh, why this podcast is a thing. 
um, because this podcast comes out of a blog that used to exist called uh, the Anarcho Geek Review. And this was the first review I wrote for it because I was just so my hair was blown completely back by this game. Um, And it's such a anti-capitalist masterpiece. Um, And I had kept eyes on it for years um, and was waiting for it to come out. And it like really didn't disappoint. Um, The town that you come back to Possum Springs is like, it used to be this like mining railroad steel manufacturing industry town. And it's totally dried up now. Like everyone carries the corpse of those prosperous times around on their back. There's reminders of this like proud labor history everywhere you go to. Um, like before mm. homeowning jobs turned into uh, rent paying jobs that turned into living with family paychecks. And like the trains only run through here from somewhere to somewhere else and it only exports its kids like there's no future in this town at all it only exports its kids brutal (laughs) um like by the time this there's like a supernatural element oh yeah it's like a ghost story um by the way uh when the supernatural element is introduced that like everything always already feels very haunted like ghosts can occupy the same space or or play the same role as desolation and dread like it feels like this history like living in Appalachia now um and trying to like connect with people on all sides of like the like labor history there where like everyone's on the side of like labor history they just have their own in- interpretations of it um of like what it means in the modern day if you know what i mean um like the history of exploitation and blight is like connected to this like deeper current of the universe um in night in the woods and the character you play has like a toe dipped into this vague something you start having these dreams these like your astral projecting um when you go to bed where you jump around and you smash street lights and you glimp this glimpse this world not meant for mortals um that like has all these vague very like um i was trying to find a word other than lovecraftian but let's go with it uh in implications um about like the plight that this like small town and earth finds itself in like in the collapse of history um and you're jumping around you in these dreams in these astral projection levels and you have to activate these different instruments to play this large orchestra um, that was like really hit for me because the reason I kept eyes on this game for years is because Scott Benson, like the main main person who made this game um, was somebody who made art for the world Inferno friendship society which was like my favorite mm. band from when I was 16 until I guess now. Um, and Night in the Woods is the name of a song. The first song off of the off of their like concept album, the Bridgewater Astral League, uh, which is about a bunch of kids in Bridgewater, New Jersey. Wow, who- the Lord I ne- is deep. I never put this 
together. And I had yeah, no idea. I'm like, oh. Yeah. I assumed yeah, they had not- like, for some reason, I was like, oh, they just hit on some anti-capitalist ethos that I connected with. But no, it's like from the ground up. That's what this is. I had no idea. That's such a wonderful surprise to learn. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, and like, ast- like May is astral projecting, playing out a, it's like not one-to-one, uh, but it is like, I don't, I don't think Scott would mind me saying it's very inspired by um, the Bridge Runner Astral League and World Inferno's whole ethos. World Inferno was, if you don't know, a band that was punk rock, but an orchestrative punk rock band that had like 13 members played like big bombastic shows that like always had this, had a show on Halloween in New York that would like end in riots and in like bonfires in the streets and everyone dressed in suits going to the shows. And uh, Jack, who was the singer of the band, would everyone would dress in suits so when the cops showed up they would be like i i don't know man i just i just showed up here like i don't know what you're talking about and be able to get away (laughs) scot-free um and when i when i went on tour with world inferno i had been a fan since i was 16 and i thought yeah you know never meet your heroes this this guy's not going to be you know the the weird charming dracula that i that you know, he puts out into the world and like, no, he was exactly that. He's that all the time. Aww. It was uh, <laughs> to be around it all the time was something else. Stay tuned for my next for the next comic I put out um, because Jack uh, unfortunately died. And he's I'm sure he's giving the devil a lot of trouble down there in hell. But um, I have been working on a comic about him for for a while. But um Yeah. Night in the Woods is very inspired by World Inferno Friendship Society. Um, and the orchestrative dream sequences really drive that home in a way that I, replaying it now, knowing how much this game meant to me when it came out and how much World Inferno has meant to me and like all the friends I've made through it and like how it changed the course of my life for better or worse, like really got me got me quite emotional playing it after like it's been probably like four years since since i played it and it came out uh, i don't know seven eight years ago now um yeah it's a game about capitalism but not like doing battle with it and mental illness but not like the fallacy of getting better um i i don't know i don't know what else to to say about it other than like i guess i have a couple of favorite favorite parts of it um Probably should have done like given it its own episode, but I've just been like itching to itching to talk about it for anyone who listens to this podcast. I assume they they will have something that they will love about this game. I really recommend it. And Scott, who uh, was the main creative force behind this game, they were like the the team, um, the Glory Society. I think they were all working on a new game, and Scott's had a ton of health problems this year and had to cancel it. And while that's a bummer, uh, I don't know if he happens to hear that. We just, we wish him well. He's a great guy. Um, He came and bought a bunch of my comics and said that he really liked my review one time and was just the sweetest guy in the world. Um, I love that. Yeah. I was really excited for the new game, but I want Scott to, be alive forever kept alive like the god emperor of doom 
So that is uh, what matters most to me, Scott. Scott, we love you. Thanks for Night in the Woods. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Has anyone anyone got any favorite parts of, of Night in the Woods before I talk about oogles? And, uh, Do you know, I yeah. actually always thought of the, the instruments element of Night in the Woods, and it made me think of um, Link's Awakening. I never played any Zelda games before uh, Breath of the Wild, if well, anyone the, that. Tell me more the, about The plot of Link's Awakening is to uh, to resurrect and like discover and resurrect all of these instruments to play a song that's going to wake up this creature in an egg called the Windfish. And spoiler alert for this like decades old game, through the course of the game that you find out that if you play the the music and it wakes up the fish that it's going to cause everyone on the island to disappear because the island is just a dream of the creature in the egg that's sleeping. Whoa. Whoa. Okay. And Zelda's Zelda's got some shit going on. And it always it, it always kind of made me think of that too. Of like where where she's systematically having these dreams where she's she's building together this musical piece that's going to drastically change the structure of her world and her town and her society and her life. Mm -hmm. I was like, I gotta play Link's Awakening. You should. Like, you should play the original Game Boy version rather than the uh, remaster, but that's just because I'm an old soul and I like that sort of thing. Okay. Nostalgia is oh. part of cozy games. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to find I love to find myself. It's like, it sounds like, I mean, it does have a lot. Um, I mean, I think the dream sequence is like, you know, inspired by the Bridgewater Astral League, but it also is just like Appalachian spookiness. Um, <laughs> like there's a vacuum, like the whole, okay, I might uh, fast forward like 30 seconds to a minute if you don't want light spoilers for the end of Night in the Woods. But like the end is like, there's a vacuum left when the working model of like the American dream flees Possum Springs. And it is filled with this like transmundane force that like these old heads are tending to. And like at the end, you're offered to join and make sacrifices to this ancient God that lives in a mine shaft since everyone who tends to it is getting old and needs someone to keep the town on life support. And like keep the faith that a hungry God will care for what feeds it. Like a little bit like, like the tech Renaissance threatens to like invigorate the next generation to buy into propping up the system. It's not like anybody can remember a time when it made sense to feel optimistic about the future. They're just like offering stuff to this system to like not crush it. And like, maybe they'll get lucky and like pr be propelled out of its orbit. Their world has gone like their world is completely gone. Like they are all like what you would expect, like what the like, you know, coastal ideas of what Appalachian people um, are just like, oh, we have to blame like socialist government programs and immigrants and welfare cheats. And they like literally sacrifice people to something that haunts and feeds back into the ether of their environment. And it's like a terrifying force, but one that also interacts and reacts to them, even if it's just as like a shitty new boss who's afraid to die. Like um, they all seem to believe like they had it right for one bright shining moment after the workers paid dearly for like a couple of rights and corporations didn't have a profitable, profitable plan B of like moving shit to uh, offshore or whatever. Anyway, men who 
can't give up the old gods are breeding pestilence and infecting it into maze dreams somehow um and that's when the game gets really interesting and the part that i'm at like right now on my on my uh playthrough um uh but wrapping up not my night in the woods talks is the fact that it's the first time i've ever seen oogle representation um in a game yeah in a game in a game or um, at all at in a game for sure i think there there's a no because the east exists the east exists on, <laughs> for better or yeah. worse <laughs> yeah Star, starring uh starring our, our friend set of switch mm-hmm. i do like that the east well no we're gonna do an episode on the east someday i'm not gonna give it away stay tuned um but there's this character germ who's this fucking freak of a kid it reminds me of several people i've known in my life their awkwardness is like everyone else's problem they have a confidence and zeal for the world around them that like is is unconquerable and they just hang out with the oogles who get off trains in Possum Springs. And you can go hang out with the train trash and it rules. Um, but um, I had such a fondness for Germ. I love Germ. I have not played it since there's been an update. Um, <gasps> Wait, there's an update? There was an update since the last time I played it where did you ever go to Germ's house? No. You can go, Germ will invite you home. And you can meet Germ's family and you meet Germ's uh, like clairvoyant bitch of a grandmother who's awesome. She's oh my so gosh. Cool. There and were a she- couple of days during Night in the Woods where I just abdicated all the rest of my responsibilities for the day just to like fuck around with Germ. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, <laughs> Ger- yeah, Germ's my favorite. I mean, uh, Ang- Angus, Germ, they're all good. Like, I feel like I didn't give give B the proper credit, but like everybody everybody knows my allegiances here and it's the Chaos Goblin. Um, my absolute favorite side quest in the whole game is to uncover a story about striking miners decades previous who um, they had a friend who the boss punched and uh, he lost his tooth. So they got the boss and they like hammered out all of his teeth. And then the boss died somehow and they grave robbed him, stole his skull and um, ritualistically place a tooth in each tooth socket in the skull when they meet as like a secret workers defense cabal and through your like jumping off of telephone poles and onto buildings and stuff, you can just find little newspaper clippings and in your own house, find out that your grandfather was part of this worker's cabal um, and find one of the teeth of this like rich, beautiful labor history that is now like fled because everyone just works shitty retail non-union jobs there. Um, It's fucking sick. It's one of, it's one of the coolest side quests I've ever played in a game. Yeah, okay. I'm sold on a replay. I like bear I remember so very little from this game. I remember being really touched by it, but I don't think I've played it since it came out. It was briefly in that um it was the EMP museum in this in Seattle, but now it's just the pop culture museum. But they have an incredible video game exhibit and it was there too briefly, which was very cool. That's I oh, think where I first saw it, maybe. I saw oh. a lot of things at EMP, but I never saw that. That's very cool that it was there. Yeah. Ooh. 
yeah, hot, very work worth a replay, especially because there's so much. There's two two different endings to the game depending on if you spend more time with Greg or B. Um, and there's just so much hidden shit of like some weird kid who hangs out on on top of the buildings and will talk to you some like you can uh you can make the town infested with rats (laughs) um just by just by stealing pretzels and feeding the rats uh that you find in like an abandoned parade float i do Uh, feel like i fed the rats oh yeah and oh and you you can go um you can go to the donut shop with Angus and Greg and be stuck in the middle of one of their fights. And because you just feel so awkward being in the middle of their fights, there's a mini game where you just trash the bathroom. <laughs> I think I remember that part. I, I at least remember one awkward fight where I was just like, oh, no. Oh, there. Um, anyway, Night in the Woods. Everyone go play it. Uh, how, how, how y'all doing? What, what else? What's, what's some cozy games we got? Well, how are we supposed to top that? Yeah, I mean, it's true. I I feel like I have a lot of cozy games that are rooted in anxiety. But now if I want to bring it back up, I just I think I just want to talk about Earthbound. Earthbound is like Mm. a cozy blanket. I love to wrap myself in at least once a year. Sometimes if I'm having a really bad time, it's the inspiration for games like Undertale. I think the guy who made Undertale um, got their start making... uh, ROM hacks of Earthbound and Earthbound is like a JRPG that's styled um, after kids that grow up in an American town and have to go on an adventure and uh, fight what turns out to be like a weird alien menace and it's it's about like walking through American cities and like hitting enemies with baseball bats and having like hamburgers and collecting again elements of a song that's going to save the world somehow but um one of the things that i think is fascinating about this is it's so charming and you just you you run around and you find all of the people who are your friends who are destined to help you save the world and there's a little photographer that comes down and takes a picture of you if you hit a certain spot and at the end of the game it shows you a photo album of all of your adventures together of your cute little you know you're just your cute little photo album of everything you've ever done um, and this game is really strange, like aggressively strange. You have moments where you you like ride around on the giant Loch Ness monster, or make friends with a monkey that chews bubble gum. Uh, part of the very early, early part of the game is that you can't leave the first town because the corrupt cops have set up a roadblock, and you have to you have to just like beat up a bunch of cops. Like you oh, have to oh, fight wow. a bunch of corrupt cops. I'm I'm in. <laughs> yeah, it's it's delightful, it's quirky, it's anti-cop, and it's pro-friendship, and it's it's just really cute and cozy and weird. And I love it. Oh yeah. Okay. I'll fucking play that. I'll play yeah, that. Yeah, it's it's one Super of the Nintendo. weirdest games on Super Nintendo. I've heard nothing other than that it's super weird and very good. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think um, the the entire marketing around this game was it was released with like scratch and sniff stickers that smelled like pizza and stuff like that. And oh, wow. the marketing around the game was this game stinks. Okay. And, and nobody you know, bought it. You know, I went to um, 
I've been in, I was in comics publishing for, I'm, I guess I'm still in comics publishing um, for so long. And we went to San Diego Comic-Con every year. And I think the reason that I loved it so much was that's the only place I saw people doing cool shit like that anymore. Like every once in a while, somebody would be giving out little scratch and sniff whatevers or, you know, the new Assassin's Creed game is coming out. Do you want to like run our little obstacle course where you can Hmm. dive into a big, big foam pit or uh, Adult Swim would... Uh, let you uh, shoot water up Tim Heidecker's ass or something. Um, oh, pass on that one. What? What's wrong with Tim? Or you could ride a big, a big mechanical. Well, no, I'm just, I'm not really pro. Maybe shooting water up into anybody's ass in a not casual pro, situation. I don't know. It just seems take. like in in public. <laughs> All right. It's a very, I don't know, that's a very intimate behavior that I just don't feel comfortable doing to a stranger in front of like a bunch of people. Mm, yeah outside of a hospital setting etc as a marketing tactic yes exactly like it's it's just (laughs) it's a little too jackass for me that's that's true um but yeah for a game where you have to um you have to use an atm card and go to the atm and and get money out to buy things it's it's also surprisingly like anti-capitalist and there's like an element of you have to call your mother every once in a while or you'll get homesickness as a status ailment. And it's mm-hmm. just a very it's it's like a very cozy sort of like coming of age childhood game. And um, oh. the sequel is also weirdly like even more anti-capitalist, more gay, more strange and heartbreakingly, heartbreakingly tragic. I do assume if a game like Mother Three is a game that you would have a love, like a wonderful time playing, but by the end you will cry. You will cry a lot. If a game programs in animations for getting money out of an ATM, it's probably got something to say about capital. I re- I respect it. Okay, you talked me into it. Um, and in the beginning, it ends. It asks you what to name all of your characters. It asks you what to name your dog. It asks you what your favorite thing is. It asks you what your favorite food is. That all these things coming brings up an interesting question, Robin. Would you name your dog? What am I, my dog's name in the game? Yeah, in the, in the game or and in real life. Oh, my, my my dog's name in real life is Arrow. Beautiful and Arrow. Beautiful, sweet baby Arrow. And in the game, my dog's name is usually Kevin because I think that Kevin is the funniest name for a dog. That's a really funny <laughs> name for a dog. Yeah. Uh, B B what do you remember any dog names you've given uh to animals in video games? I don't know that I remember, but I can say in high school I remember friends. Okay, so like I dream job, which is now no longer gonna be possible because now there's AI voice actors in video games. Um, was doing like voice acting in video games. And my friends would always be like, yeah, B, you just sound like that weird purple dog that like would follow you around and shout video game instructions or something like that. And so I just want to be actually the dog. That's, I don't remember their names though. You're a Navi. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen. <laughs> I got to do that in one game and it was very fun, but. What game? That's probably it. Uh, it was like a student project i don't even remember the name anymore sorry oh, whoever this project that was <laughs> um i got i got a list of the names that i named my dog in all my playthroughs of uh of, of stardew valley you have a list you saved it 
Well, these are names. <laughs> this is my a list note. is 90% Kevin. This is a note uh, in my notes app that is names for pets. Wow. Uh, squash, Laugh Track, Earthling, Rick Beverage, Mrs. Soup, Slime Meridian, Joust, Showbiz, Life Form, uh, Pelvis Japanthe. Mrs. Soup is such a good name for like a really fat, fuzzy cat. Like I can just yeah. See I was her gonna say Mrs. Mrs. Soup really feels like a cat name. <laughs> yeah, as a, as a fuzzy cat. Yeah, <laughs> those are. Uh, there was another one that was very good, but Mrs. Soup really stood out to me for sure. But not as a dog name. Definitely a cat name. That's not a, a dog, that's a cat yeah. name. Yeah, or a human or a human name. Uh huh. If somebody gets married, like if if a woman decides to take her husband's last name, you know. But he doesn't make her, of course, because they're a modern couple. Anyway, what about uh, Tetris? <laughs> oh yeah, Tetris, Robin. You yeah. Tetris we really back. have to discuss, yeah, the <laughs> the fact of of Tetris as the ultimate common game. Like it's been proven to be effective with PTSD. No. Yeah, we, we've been like we've we've. I mean, we could dig in more into how the idea of a cozy game like really fucked us up. Um, But (laughs) like there is one that is scientifically proven to be quote unquote medically cozy. And I can, and I have uh, like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not revealing uh, too much here on this podcast uh, because you'll never catch me. Um, But (laughs) it's worked very well for me when, uh, when I was, uh, doing some doing some trauma therapy things tetris really helps after traumatic events um rewiring your brain it really feels like you got like your hands up in your amygdala um just like re re that's so cool i I have no idea about this is this like similar to like emdr things where you're just like it's literally you're looking from side to side of the screen and there's like moving colors or something i don't know but that's really cool knowing knowing like very little about it but just hearing from like um like shout out shout out parks who gave gave me who originally gave me the the advice um to do it and then hearing from several other sources that like yeah after a traumatic event um if you're replaying the incident in your mind over and over again even if you're not um it can help calm you down it can help prevent flashbacks it can help like just you process it uh all the easier um tetris yeah there's a reason that like the tetris effect is not just like a weird one-off phenomena it is like a a very specific uh myriological sort of phenomena like that happens in people's brains um like, I think it almost feels into like it, it almost goes into the like mindless task as job category, except that almost, it's yeah. not a job because your job is just blocks. Like it's just a puzzle. Right. Yeah. 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 And, I'm so glad it's helping. Yeah. It really like, yeah, I downloaded uh Tetris effect, which is like the, you know, they rebranded Tetris. Um, and I was just like, who gives a shit when it came out? And then something happened to me and I, and I was like, give me Tetris right away. Doctor, give me three CCs of Tetris. (laughs) Um, And fuck, it really helps. Um, It was really interesting. And Tetris effect is like it, it's, it's kind of like a rhythm game 
in mm. it'll speed up as you like the way that blocks are falling will correspond with the rhythm of the music behind it and it'll it's like it's almost like a like karaoke like um karaoke screen background of just like dolphins jumping around or like the cosmos or whatever um as you're stacking these blocks it's excellent like if you are somebody uh processing a something traumatic first of all first of all i love you you've got this and second go uh download tetris you don't need to buy the expensive version that's just what i did because uh i have robbed so many banks i'm rich um but you can get like the old version really easily and that works just as well but that's the only i'd say uh maybe that is the conclusion of this podcast is that like nothing nothing is cozy this world is a hell except for tetris (laughs) This Tetris is literally the killer app. Tetris is literally the killer app. Inve- it's the wasn't only it, one. Wasn't it invented by like a Soviet uh, like scientist or something? A, a bunch of people in the USSR, maybe like I think a couple of them. I think it was more than one person and they wound yeah. up getting no real monetary compensation or credit for what they did. Well, and a human just beat Tetris for the first time ever. So I don't know what's next for us as a human race. Good for them. Take that, AI. And just goes to show the most calm person in the world. Just goes to show that the the most traumatized. Oh, no. (laughs) He's 13. (laughs) Oh, that's true. I don't know. I mean, to to be fair, my, my family suffered a lot of grief. Very like just terrible, terrible loss when I was small, and my my mom got really into Tetris. Hmm. I, and I just do another, think another I think before I ever knew that that was scientifically talk. proven to be a thing, I I knew it in my heart to be true. Wow, this is so cool! <laughs> like the healing power of Tetris is real. You need to accept our Lord and Savior Tetris into your heart. I would get. All right, who's what's everybody's favorite Tetris block before we before we wrap up? We're running a little bit long, but like I think I think the long block is like, you know, it gets a bad rap, but like I love it. Whenever it shows up, I'm just like, my old friend, welcome back. Well, when you hit that long block and you get the full four rows out, just oh, yeah. oh, so satisfying. I, I set up every every stack just wait for the long block. But I have a soft spot for the S shape. The That's S shape. This is true. It's this versatile. Yeah. Wow. It. It. Yeah. You're a real gamer. I'm an. I'm an L block guy. I don't know. It's got. It's like kind of got some elements of the long cube and kind of got some elements of the S, where it's like kind of versatile. You can you can make some stuff happen with it. Calming, predictable. Just mm. Put her in. Simple. Fuck that L-block. cube though. That cube is nothing but a disruptor. <laughs> Uh, anybody got any other cozy games or should we, should we wrap this thing up? Um, I, I would like to oh. shout out, um, Turnip Boy commits tax evasion as a game that is cozy, short and anti-capitalist. Turnip Boy commits tax evasion. Turnip Boy commits tax evasion. Sounds like Turnip Boy has some things to teach me. You could play it within the span of a few hours. It has a very, very cute sort of like eight bit start like a low, uh, Low res kind of, you know, retro game style, cute soundtrack. It's very whimsical. And it is about a turnip committing tax evasion and tearing up 
important tax documents. It's honestly got some earthbound vibes, I would say. (laughs) And eventually, and eventually I think maybe uh, destroying the evil mayor of a small town. Oh yeah. I say we need less mayors and more sayers of truth. Anybody got any recommendations for other media? (laughs) Like other media? Yeah. You've been watching anything. You played anything lately. Not cozy. Not cozy. It doesn't need to be cozy. Off topic. I just, um, I just, I just watched the new season of Fargo. Uh, very upsetting to see John Hamm be a villain, but uh, he's, he's so good at it, though. He was pretty good. I, mean, at I thought it. he was a yeah. villain in Mad Men too. Is that not true? I don't watch. Oh, I didn't. Watch, shows I didn't. I didn't watch. Well, Mad yeah, but yeah, that. I mean, that he's just like a patriarchy style that villain. Okay. From what I, he's understand, just a man. He is just yeah, a cis just head a white man. man. <laughs> um, he's just a traumatized second, man. Takes it out on everyone. The second season of Jujutsu Kaisen just wrapped up, and that is my uh, gay disaster train media of choice at the moment. That anime is so good and so sad. <laughs> For anyone who has not watched Dead End Paranormal Park on Netflix, I will say that is a cozy watch. It is cute. It is spooky. It is gay. It has an occasional musical element, but not so much that if you're into musicals that it's a bad thing. It's animated. I like it. Uh, you know, yeah, in the spirit, in the spirit of this episode, which we totally, totally whiffed on talking about cozy games, but I will recommend hardly know her. (laughs) I will recommend the coziest thing I've ever watched and probably easily in the top five shows I've ever seen. Joe Para talks with you. Um, it's still on HBO. Who knows if it'll be there for long um joe para has a is like a grandfatherly comedian who made a very very chill show that is so relaxing to watch um there's an episode joe para uh does the church announcements or something that i think is one of the best episodes of television ever recorded um also uh uh, several times when uh, other people, not me, have been coming off of drugs in a big room. Um, we And somebody's like, put something on the TV. I put on uh, relaxing old footage with Joe Para, which is also on HBO. That's um, just like footage of like waterfalls and fish tanks and Joe Para uh, talking about relaxing things with you. Probably the coziest thing I could... I could think of if I sat here for a thousand years. Um, that sounds cozy as heck. Please, everybody, go watch it as soon as you can if if you haven't, and uh, and call me in the morning. You know what else is cozy is pre-ordering Penumbra City, and then when you get it on Tuesday, then not Tuesday. What am I saying? Tuesday, and you get it in February. Ooh. You can play it with all your friends. That's yeah. so cozy. Yeah, I would love. Uh, yeah, I think we're pre-order from. Strangers in a tangled wilderness. Yeah, I think we're gonna try and have a like a live play of that. I have played Penumbra City a couple of times. Um, I think all of us have, right? Yeah, I'm still not sick of it. I want to play more. It's it's a good game. Turns out we it's made good. a good game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know me. I can't was you like that was fun. That was cozy as fuck. It was really <laughs> it was really fun. Inman did a very good job. It's a fun game. And I try my ass off to break it because I'm that kind of a role playing, uh, a, a tabletop role playing game player. But uh, I can't do it. Inman saw me coming. 
But uh, well, yeah. no, that's to, to be fair. You did derail the entire thing, but we still had a fantastic time. Oh, thanks, thanks. Yeah, thank you for telling me I ruined it. Uh, no, you didn't ruin it. No, I was trying to. You made it better. Yeah, <laughs> I, for for everyone except in. I was going like, to say, poor Inman. I don't even know what happened, but poor Inman. <laughs> yeah, Inman's got, a, Inman's got a lot to deal with. I'm I'm a real handful. Um, yeah, anybody got any uh, any other plugs? Penumbra City, obviously, number one. Um, I'm on the internet. What's my... I'm bumlung on the internet. That's where I am. I'm Robin, and you can find me on the internet at Miss Robin Savage on Instagram. I'm not on Twitter. It's okay. I make some crinkly sounds at you. <laughs> I'm B, and you can find me on Instagram at Crime Brulee with an underscore at the end. I try not to use it much, but it's there, I guess. Hello, I'm Io. You can find me on Instagram. It's bum, period, lung, I think. Don't quote me on that. Anyway, uh, that's the podcast. Goodbye. I'll see you at the movies. Take it away, Jack. Yeah.